I'm finishing our series, which is uh, entitled Encounters with Jesus. We've been looking at a whole host of different people in different situations in life, uh, different, different places emotionally, and, and what happens when, when they encounter Jesus in that particular place in life. Uh, so as Steve said, my name's Mark. I, I'm a uh, in terms of my day job, I'm, I'm a principal at a sixth form college in Bradford. We're, we're 95% British Asian, uh, probably 85 plus percent Muslim. And, you know, just, just since I've worked there over the last two and a half years, I'm, I'm just so convinced in my heart that, that what, what uh, the Islamic society in Great Britain needs is it needs to experience the love of Christ. Um, and, and what the people need is they need to experience that through Christians. Um, our, our role is to be ambassadors of the kingdom. You know, our role is to take this great, wonderful news to all people groups. Not to sit in judgment over groups, not to, not to separate ourselves from, from groups that are not like us, but to reach out and to just simply love them and love them with the love of Christ. That, that's, that's 30 seconds that I hadn't scripted in my 10 minutes, um, so let's, let's see how we do. Sorry, 20 minutes, meeting number one. Anyway, it's great, it's great, to, see, it's great to see people uh, on the stream, and it's great to see people here in meeting number one. I'm, I'm a meeting number two person. I had some lines prepared about, about the importance of meeting together and fellowship, and uh, I've been putting pencil marks through them as we've gone through the week. So I was going to say... You know, we're really learning to worship behind our masks and, and we're, we're learning to just express our heart to God. And, and it's great to gather together and do that. And, and, you know, why not get into the habit of before or after the meeting, going out for a coffee in town with someone um, and adding fellowship to, to what we do on a Sunday. But then we entered tier two, so I put a line through going out for coffee at a, a cafe with somebody. And I was going to say to people joining us on the stream, I was going to say... You know, if you ever leave your house, um, you, would, you would be hard put to go somewhere that's better run than the Jubilee meetings on a Sunday morning um, in terms of like the security and the safety and the way that they're stewarded and planned and executed every Sunday. And I was going to say, if you only join us on the stream and you haven't come to a Sunday yet, I was going to say, why not come next Sunday? Um, but then there's a pencil line through that one as well because, you know, the situation is changing and we're not going to gather together physically uh, on a Sunday morning for a whole month now. Uh, so we'll all be joining you on the stream. Um, and, and as a church, we'll communicate how things are changing through the week and the shape of meetings together. But we will be gathering in whatever format we're gathering because that's what we're called to do. And there's, there's something, even when it's online, there's something about gathering together where there's a dynamic of the Spirit moving among us all. But today we're going to look at uh, an encounter with Jesus and we're going to look at someone who has failed. We're going to look at the encounter of those who have failed and we're going to look at uh, a man called Peter and we're going to take a run up to this. We're going to go through a few scriptures that build the scene, that, that give us a little bit of flavor about, about who Peter is. So, so those of you who, who, who might be a little bit unfamiliar with the, the way the Gospels work, the, um, Jesus, in his ministry, has a band of disciples that have given up their day jobs and are spending all their time with Jesus, supporting his ministry. And one of them was called Simon, and, and his name is Simon, but Jesus gives him a new name, Peter. 
So throughout the Bible, we sometimes see him referred to as Peter. We sometimes refer to him as Simon or Cephas. And sometimes he's called Simon Peter. Um, so so let's, let's look in, in the Bible at the call of Peter in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Uh, some, of the, some of the words are up on the screen there, but I'm going to read you into it, um, and, and then you can pick up. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, and they were listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing the nets. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little, a little distance from the shore. There he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will net, let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. And we're going to come back to this and some of the things that are happening in this particular passage. But this is the passage where Peter becomes a disciple. He leaves his former life and he begins this, this voyage with Jesus. He begins this adventure. Nathan, uh, I've got three children. Nathan's the youngest. He's, he's age six. He's just discovered the penguins of Madagascar. And um, the penguins of Madagascar, for those who don't know, there's, there's a seemingly endless supply of episodes on, on Amazon Prime. But there's also a full-length movie that came out after the... Um, after the Madagascar films. And this movie takes you back to the start of the Penguin's adventure. They leave Antarctica on an iceberg, and they leave in search of adventure and glory like no penguin has ever seen before. And, um, you know, you might not be familiar with the analogy, but, but Peter embarks on a lifestyle as a disciple, a lifestyle that is full of adventure, perhaps not your own glory, but swashbuckling adventure, the likes of which humans have never experienced before. And you know what? You know, that, that's a, a period of two or three years before we're going to pick up our next scripture. But that's, that's the default setting for any follower of Christ. A life of adventure, the likes of which we have never experienced before. I mean, we, we live in real life. You know, this isn't some kind of film montage um, you know, there are days of the disciples of Jesus that are boring. You know, that everything is filled with a, a modicum of tediousness. But all the time, all the time as a disciple of Jesus, there's that, that possibility of the supernatural breaking in. That possibility of just in the humdrum of everyday life, we can suddenly 
be an ambassador for Christ, we can suddenly say, well, I know you're upset, but what I've found is when, I, when I'm upset, I've, I've prayed to Jesus and it's helped me. And suddenly, the door is open to the supernatural and God's kingdom can advance. So Peter is called as a disciple and he's leading this, this adventurous lifestyle of, of a disciple for a period of two to three years. All sorts of things happen. And uh, Jesus enters Jerusalem it's this, this triumphant thing, and people are thinking, is, is this now, is this now how he's going to restore God's kingdom to Israel? Is the rule and reign of God going to come through Jesus, and is he going to disrupt the religio-political order of the time? And people are really excited, because they're thinking, this is it, you know, we're, we're taking this land, we're behind this guy, and, and things flip on them really quickly. They know they're following the king, they, they, they're living this life of adventure, but where they think it's heading and how they think it's going to get there is not how it's really going to happen. And Jesus calls his disciples together for, for what we call the Last Supper, and, and he begins to talk to them about what it's really going to be like. Um, and, he, and he talks about the fact that he's going to be leaving them, that he's going to be crucified. So we're going to pick up uh, the next encounter between Peter and Jesus in, in Matthew 26, yeah, perfect. And um, again, I might read you in a little bit more. That very night, Jesus talks to them at the Passover meal. That very night, sorry, this very night, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, This very night, before the rooster crowed, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then all the other disciples in the room said the same. Now, in this particular passage, you know, when you look at the Greek and it says, uh, even if all fall away on account of you, that all could be the people in the room, it could be absolutely everybody, it could be the whole of humanity. But whichever way you look at it, this is, this is a big claim. You know, Peter is not... Is, is not um, doing something in half measures here. He's setting his stall out. He's saying, this is me, the very core of my being. I am a follower of Jesus. Whatever happens, Jesus, I'm with you. Now, these guys, you know, to be honest, one or two of them look a bit flaky to me. I'm not quite sure you got that right call in all of them. But these guys, I, don't, I, I can't vouch for them. In fact, I think some of them are, are not going to make it. But let me tell you about me. I am with you. It's, 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 the, you know, it's the transformation that happened to my life. It's my identity. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of you. I'm going to go with you to death. Um, and and that's, that's the statement. And that's how Peter determines he's going to live his life. And he fails in it. And Jesus says, you know, this very night. So let's look at where it goes wrong. So Peter denies Christ. We're going to look in John 18 now. 
We can have the next slide. Perfect. So that night from the, from the Last Supper, Jesus then goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and he's arrested and he's taken to the temple courts. Simon Peter followed Jesus. So, so he's, he's been led by soldiers to the temple courts um, and most of the disciples just scatter from the garden but two of them follow at a distance. Simon Peter followed Jesus as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to wait outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to a woman who was watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. Because it's cold, the household servants and the guards, they'd made a charcoal fire, and they stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. The dialogue in the, in the Bible then, then switches, and we, we go to Jesus inside the, the, the temple talking to the high priest, um, and, and then it comes back, and it says, Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, no, I'm not. But then, one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was all guns blazing, he, you know, he drew out a sword and he, he sliced off an ear of uh, one of the soldiers that had come to arrest Jesus. And now there's a relative of that man standing round the fire with him, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off said, didn't I see you there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. I mean, you've got to, you've got to understand this. In, in one of the other Gospels, the account gives us a bit more detail of that, that final interaction. Um, it says, he began to call down curses, and he swore at them. I don't know the man. Uh, basically, He's been fingered, hasn't he? You know, there, there's, there's basically an eyewitness that's saying, hang on a sec, no, no, you are a disciple. And, and, and he's with them, and he's like, you know, I'm guessing he's got sweaty palms. He's, he's thinking, I just don't know what's going to happen to me here. I've got, to, I've got to do something that really puts this to bed. You know, there's a guy, they're in a little circle, there's a guy pointing at him saying, you are one of them. And he's, you know, let's not, let's not be in any uncertain terms. He's not saying... Verily I say unto you, I was not with that man and have no knowledge of him. This, you know, he's using some industrial language. He's effing and blinding at him. He's saying, get that out of here because, the, I, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He's basically saying, you know, you can almost feel his fear. And, you know, I think at some point in our lives, we've all been there where we've tried to get out of a situation. You know, you feel that fear. And you do that thing where you just go on the complete aggressiveness. You know, you just go on the attack just to try and cut this thing off and put this thing to bed. Uh, and that's what Peter's doing. You know, it's not just that he's politely saying, uh, no, I don't recall being there. He's, he's like saying, I don't know this fella. You know, get out of here. Right. And we've got to understand, you know, the chronology here. This is like... All in one evening. This is, I mean, it's a very emotionally charged evening. Um, this is not a mistake. 
You know, we all make mistakes. I think my, my error rate is higher than the average. But this isn't a mistake. I mean, I, you know, this isn't like um, even big mistakes, you know. This is not. This is not about making a mistake. You know, in life, we all make mistakes. You know, we, I don't know, we buy the wrong stocks and shares. Obviously, I don't buy any stocks and shares. But, you know, you miss the bus or you, you kind of like, you take the wrong job and it leads you this way or it leads you that way or, um, you, you, you know, you, you do things wrong or you even just like, you buy the wrong sandwich in the three-pound meal deal and then you look at someone next to you and you think, I wish I'd got that one. But... You know, there's all sorts of mistakes in life, some little, some trivial, some absolute massive, massive mistakes. But this is not a mistake. This is where you go against your own nature, where you do the very thing you set out not to do. And for us, it may be that we have been in exactly the same parallel situation, that there have been times where we have not acknowledge that we are followers of Jesus, that we have actually said that we are not followers of Jesus, that we have failed in, in being followers of Jesus and we have declared that we are not. We have failed to live out who we profess to be. Or, or another one, in, you know, in a marriage covenant, in a relationship that is meant and designed to be faithful one of us has been unfaithful and broken that covenant. And the very thing we committed to follow, we have gone against that. We have failed to do the very thing we were meant to do. Or, or even just a long-term relationship, we have gone out of the bounds of being faithful and being unfaithful. This is deep personal failure that we're talking about today. And it's heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff. So let's look at how Jesus interacts with the person that has failed. So let's look at John 21. And there's a long scripture here, but this is going to bring together the other scriptures that we've been looking at. So Jesus was crucified, Jesus was put into a tomb, but death could not hold him. And he came out of the tomb and he appeared to the disciples in different places and at different times. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in a boat and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then, he said, throw your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put his tunic on for it stripped to work. Uh, and then he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded nets to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooked over a charcoal fire and some bread. 
Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard uh, and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to them as disciples uh, since he'd been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of God. (laughs) Sorry, let me read that again. There's a bit of an error. Simon, son of John. Jesus was the son of God. Just, 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 Just checking. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus then said, Feed my sheep. So, so we've got this thing here where we've got echoes of all the passages that we've looked at. You know, they're out there. Jesus is gone. They, they are still processing it. They don't fully understand the nature of the kingdom of God. They thought it was going to be based around following Jesus actually physically. And, and you know, they've heard things about coming back and stuff, and, they, and then they've, they've seen him, but they're still processing, and they're still, I don't know, they're at sixes and sevens. I'm guessing they're thinking, well, we just go back to our old lives. And then they've caught nothing, and this man shouts to them, put down the net on the other side. And they're pulling up the net from the other side, and they just feel this immense weight, and it's full of fish. And their minds go back, their minds must go back to when this last happened. Three years ago, when they were called out of their former lives. And, and this is, must be, in my mind, this is how it happened. One of the disciples going, whoa, there's a lot of fish here. Did, when did this happen? That man on the, that man, that, that must be, and the penny drops. And, uh, and Peter realizes that, that it's Jesus on the shore, and, and he's kind of like stripped for work, and it's Jesus on the shore, and, and, and he puts his jacket on, and then he jumps in the water, and that's probably pretty illogical. But, but that's what you do when you're stressed. You make random decisions, and you do things that are just a bit weird. Um, and, and it's got to be going on in his head. You know, he, he's going to Jesus. He's getting ahead of the others, he knows what he did. He knows how he pledged his life in front of all the others. He said, these lot, they might leave you, but I will never disown you. And yet, a few hours later, he was doing the very thing that he'd set out not to do. And he'd failed. He'd failed to live how he wanted to live. And then, um, yeah, it, it's, it's basically, it's a complete setup job, isn't it? Jesus has set this up. You know, Peter's coming to Jesus. He, he's, he's swimming through the water. And as he gets there, he can smell the charcoal fire. He can smell the fish. And, and 
The word charcoal fire, interestingly, is only used twice in the New Testament. The only other time a charcoal fire is, retur- is referred to is, is um, the night where Peter denies Christ. So, so we've got this thing going on in his head. He must be thinking about his calling. He must be thinking about the miraculous catch of fish. He's swimming to Jesus, and he gets towards Jesus, and he smells, he smells the night where he disowned Jesus. He smells his own failure. He smells exactly what he didn't want to do, but he did because he just, he just couldn't live how he said he was going to live. And then Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? Now, you know, that's, that's an ambiguous word in the Greek. It could be like more than these things, the boats, the nets, the idea of, of being a fisherman, your livelihood, or it could be more than these, these other disciples. Um, but, but in my mind, I think Peter's got to have connected this more than these with his statement All of those might fall away, but I won't. So in this moment, Jesus is bringing it all back to him. And then he says to him this. He says, do you love me? Uh, And when Peter replies, you know I love you, this is what we see from Jesus. He's, He's brought it all together. The person who has failed, he's reminded him of how it all started. He's reminded him of the failure. He's reminded him of the claim. Jesus says, do you love me? He says, yes, I, yes. I've got all these things that I've done wrong. But yes, when it boils down to it, do I want to be a follower of Christ? Am I committed to you, Jesus? The answer to that is yes. And this is what Jesus does. He just places a transforming trust in Peter. He says, basically he says, I know you failed. You know you failed. Now go and do everything that I've called you to do. And, and that's a transforming trust that releases Peter. You know, there's none of this burying the failure. There's none of this pretending it didn't happen, hiding it from God, hiding it from yourself. It's all laid out there. It's all laid out there and it's dealt with. And it's dealt with by Jesus saying, I know all that, you know all that, and now... Let's move on together because I am with you and you can do everything that I've called you to do. And that's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's how he deals with failure. It's not swept under the carpet. It's not ignored until sufficient time has passed and we don't feel quite as raw about it and and we can kind of just get on with it even though we've never really dealt with it. It's not a thing that hangs around our neck like a millstone that stops us progressing. It's a thing that happened that comes before Jesus and with it right there in front of him, he said, yes, I see all that and now go and do everything that I've called you to do. He addresses it in a once and for all manner. He deals with it in a way that it's finished. It has no longer any power over us and then he invests in us. He invests himself in us. He places a transforming trust in us so that we can be released from that failure and we can go from zero to hero in the kingdom of God. So we're going to finish now 
We're going to finish with a, a moment. We're going to pray. And this isn't all of us. You know, like I said, this isn't one or two like little mistakes. We all make mistakes. This is where you've failed. You've, you have blown it. With God, with an individual you care for, in a professional relationship, you have blown it. And some of us have been there and gone through the same experience Peter's gone through. And, and, and if we have, that's great. And if we have, it's dealt with. We're not trawling back to try and kind of like get something back out of our previous lives that's actually been dealt with. But for some of us on the stream and, and here in the room, there are, there are things that actually they've never really been dealt with. Not been dealt with in the way that Peter was dealt with. So, so we're going to pray. And some of us have not yet had this experience of release. You know, some of us, maybe we've tried to hide that failure. You know, either hide it from God or even hide it from ourselves. But others, it's not that you've hidden it, but you've let it limit you. It's prevented you from doing what you know you're called to do. So we're going to finish by praying together. And we're all going to pray because we're standing with each other. But for any of you that this resonates with as we pray with our eyes closed, then we're all praying together with you. And right this morning, that same release, that same recommissioning, that same repurposing that Peter, the man who failed, received on that shore, that same repurposing you can know right now. That same release, that same setting back to do the very things you're called to do. That can happen to you this morning. So let's, let's all close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray and then we're just going to go straight into worship. And if God's ministering to you whilst we pray, then as we go into worship, God will keep ministering to you. Lord, just as a community of believers, we stand together. And Lord, where those among us Right now, I'm reaching to you saying, God, I got that so wrong and I'm so sorry. God, I crossed that person and I've never sorted it. Lord, as those people, Lord, I've just been honest with you. I pray right now that same transforming trust, that same transforming trust that you placed in Peter, that same transforming trust that let him be the disciple you called him to be. Lord, I pray that that trust right now will be going into people's hearts, that they're going to be receiving it in the name of Jesus. Lord, minister to people today. Minister your investment in them. Lord, as that failure is just acknowledged in front of you, let it be dealt with in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.